a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Rivich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with the recently retired father of three. You may know this man as a pioneer of the UK to US transition. A multiple European medalist or even 5-3 even in head-to-heads with Josh It is, of course, Chris O'Hare. Mate, it's, t- it's going to be a tough to look at that result and know that's going to be our final score. Uh, I was looking at the IAAF honours and they have like head-to-heads. And that's, that's our final score, 5-3. Why do you think I retired? <laughs> i'm telling you mate a couple more injured races from chris i i feel like we could have brought that to five five and had a good good time out of it but that's tough yeah i can't say i can't say i'm gonna uh miss racing certain people that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure we'll, we'll get into that i think um i remember i think right when i started racing you um i i think it was maybe milrose was the first time and i was convinced every time that we raced you raced slightly different in my head i was like chris is racing differently because i'm here because i like there was no way that you wanted me to beat you especially because like you know we we came through very similar situations and i was just like i don't know if he gets ballsier like milrose you, you ended up going with like three laps to go on and you just went off and then i'll try to catch you and there was no way of getting you I'm just looking back at some of that footage and I'm like, I don't know if it's in my own head, but you just raced differently when I was racing you. Classic Josh. Everything comes back to Josh, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going. I'm like, I've also raced you, Chris, but you don't see me holding on those like personal vendettas against you about your race style. You, you've just always been one of those go get them guys. So it's like, there's a pace that's hot. You're the guy that's on it. But um, I want to, I want to know more about you too. And as, um, cause I don't think it's very, um, well known how closely connected your guys's careers actually are because you both are, came out of Edinburgh. Did I say that right? Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Um, so l- let's talk about that um, athletic club that you guys got going on over there, where there's some pretty notorious names that come out of that, including the two of you. So either of you want to just kind of rip your guys's history, that'd be great. Yeah, it's um, you know Josh is the same age as my younger brother, uh, and so we would have. You know, the way our training group worked was on like a handicap basis. So <clears throat> when I was, when I kind of right before I went to Tulsa, I, I would have been, if we were doing cage, for instance, I'd be running off scratch. Josh would be running off, I don't know, 900 or something like that, 800. And so um, it was a good, good way to get a, a good group, a good group of guys, but of varying ages and, and, and abilities all to kind of work in the same the same group instead of the, the the top guy just kind of crushing everyone all the time um i grew up you know being the being the front marker for a long time and then you kind of slowly work back um and so yeah josh is the same age as my brother dominic and so josh has always kind of been um like a little brother in a way um barring the fact that he was probably bigger than me when he was like nine. Um, so, um, so yeah, we've, 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 we go back a, a long time and our families are pretty, pretty closely connected through that. Um, 
so it's always fun to see to see people that you know and are a bit more connected to do well I mean it would have been great if we'd waited a few more years until I was done but <laughs> um no nah, it's great to see and then obviously Edinburgh Athletic Club has, has just kind of become a bit of a powerhouse um with and with Jake Whiteman as well um so it's yeah I mean Edinburgh's a Edinburgh was a bit of a hotbed um at Meadowbank Stadium which is now no longer there but um it was it was pretty cool back in the day I think that's an underrated um, training kind of philosophy of, of, you know, using those markers. And so it's like, you know, how often are you getting, you know, a 13 year old training with 18 year olds that are massively different abilities? So what we used to do for, say, fours or twos, you know, maybe you'd be off 10 meters and you go at the same time. And so Chris would have to, you know, catch me. But when it comes to the K's or the eights or something, I would just join in. And and we even, you know, Chris's younger sister, Olivia as well, she would jump in as well. And so you're able to get all these different kind of abilities in, in the same session. And we'd be helping Chris out somehow a 13 year old boy would be helping, you know, 18 year olds um, who are, who are some of the top in the distance. So I do think that's something that, maybe isn't getting used as much in the US. Um, but, you know, Edinburgh, I see it was used quite a lot. And, and our coaches, Dave Campbell, and obviously, uh, Chris's dad, Terry, were, were kind of helping through keeping a, a group together that, you know, it was just like, you can see where that next step was every time. And so that helped a lot. Because I don't think they do that in the US. Do they, Dave? What was what was training like? I mean, training in the US is <clears throat> everything's based around your school and your programming of coaches that you have provided for you by whatever athletic team you join. Like, I think that the whole club dynamic is so much cooler and there's so much more pride in that. Like, there's pride to represent a high school and a junior high, sure. But, um, like, it's crazy to hear the story of that where you do have, like, this guy going to Tulsa, uh, top of his class, where then you are a 13-year-old boy. Like, you guys have this rich history of just developing together at very, very different times and then still reaching the pinnacle of the sport together, where when I was um, a junior higher, like, I would work out with the high school kids, but it would ne- not necessarily be, like, that kind of dynamic. If, if more so, it was, like... Um, just this weird, it wasn't a very embraceive culture is what I would say, where I feel as though the club sports, when you have these families involved, when you have this, this dynamic from what it sounds like, like that's very, very, like you want to be there. Like, it's not just a sport for you guys. And I feel like that is in the U S sports because they're so programmed and they're so structured. <clears throat> Some people just do sports to do sports because they want to have fun. And like, that's okay. Um, but I think the reason that you see so much passion and drive behind athletes from Europe and, and other countries is because they want to be there. Like, this is this, this is it for them. You know, it's um, you guys have both forged careers from those, those same day, rainy days that you guys had in Edinburgh AC. So it's cool to hear. Um, And I think that um, that's so underrated. The fact that like you had you and Jake and um, just a lot of you where that's practically a four by mile relay that could set the world record all from the same club, all from the same single location. So it's cool. Um, But yeah, also, Chris, like looking back, well, there's a few things to start. You have far more of a thicker accent than Josh, and you've been here longer. So I don't really know what happened in Josh's um, training to become uh, English. Maybe he is actually from Brit- Britain, and we don't know. Maybe he's from London. I don't know. Maybe he's not even Scottish. I need to see. I don't think Dave knows that. what Britain and Scotland and Honestly, England when are. I play like uh, Age of Empires, Britons are like the people that I choose that can have like bow and arrows. So that's right, about okay. as, as much as I know about the, the motherland or Queensland, you whatever you call loser. it. Yeah. Um, 
So Chris, looking at your athletic resume though, you got European championship bronze medalist two times in top eight world indoor championships, uh, medals grabbed there, European indoor silver, um, European indoor bronze, two in the top 10 Commonwealth or two in the top eight Commonwealth, two time diamond league meeting winner, three-time national champion. Like your resume is and one time national indoor record. You're also the 25 times sub four minute miler, which is eight more than any other Scottish athlete. Like it's just this long rapport of achievements and 2016 Olympians. So it's, you get to this stage of your career where you're beginning to um, transition out. Is there a point where like you just become super, super um, nostalgic and, and these races that you see, like, I want to transition this into Milrose. Like how does Milrose week feel for you now from the outside, looking back in being a two-time champion of that event? Yeah. Milrose is, is an interesting one because it's always been a kind of a, you know, it's one of the best mile races in the indoor season worldwide. So, um, you know, you would always wait for the, the entry list to be released and you're like, all right, shit, like this is going to be a, this is a big race. Uh, and you know, some, some comments, some go out with that list, but it's always a big deal to hear it, uh, to, to see it announced on Twitter. And then it, you know, even though I haven't done it, I think 2020 was my last one. Um, I've done it for a couple of years. Like you, you see the list and you're like, oh, they, they forgot me. They forgot me on the list. Like I'll need to call David Monty and get my name back on the list because they just clearly forgot to put me on the, on the, on the tweet. <laughs> like, but so yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird to kind of be on the outside, on the outside looking in. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also kind of excited to, to be able to just watch it as a, as a fan um, and not have it be, you know, that, that kind of few weeks before it be full of anxiety and, and getting ready to, for, for a big race. But yeah, I mean, Melrose has, has always been a staple in my career, every indoor season with the exception of a couple. So, um, and it gets one of the best meets out there. Um, and, you know, the venue's got its, its quirks, but it's, 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 it's one of the best venues, I think, for, for an indoor mile race. Um, kind of got that Coliseum type, feel to it um so yeah it's 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 kind of sad to be on the outside looking in now but um well so glad i don't need to race josh <laughs> i'm glad i don't have to race you mate uh so when it comes to milrose you know what what do you think makes it such a a fantastic meet and why everyone wants to go because you know, it always brings the best fields. And also, like, where would your best memories be from that? Because obviously you're a two-time winner. Um, they were probably fantastic memories. But, you know, in the build-up or, you know, something around going to New York or something like that, like, what, what was that favorite memory you can think to when you think Milrose, like, that was the time that, you know, this happened? Yeah, I think, so the, the first time, the first time, um, I ran Milrose was actually the first year that it was at the Armory and not at Madison Square Garden and I think so I think the event still has a lot of kind of prestige behind it from when it was at MSG um, and so you know it's a meet that New Yorkers know of just because it's a big deal even if they're not track fans they still know that it's there it used to be on TV I'm not sure if it's on TV anymore but I, th- I um, think it might be this year I think I saw right. something like that and it comes and goes off the TV schedule, I think. But um, yeah, so you know, obviously winning um, is is great. I, that's where I set that's where I set the collegiate record um, in college. That that's probably 
it's probably up there. And even though I didn't win the race, it's up there with, with the two times I won. Um, this last time was probably, was probably the biggest um, kind of coming off, not making this, having a tough time in 2019 outdoors, not making the team for, for Doha, um, just with, with injury and, and all sorts was, was tough. Um, so to come back in 2020 and, and have a good indoor season, kind of felt like I was putting some demons to bed. Um, didn't know at that point what the rest of 2020 had in store for us, but um, it was, you know, those, those are kind of, you know, across the board, my best memories in the sport is when you, you know, people have counted you out and you've, you know, they're like, oh, well, that's the end of this guy. And you come back with, with a double middle finger and then, um, then achieve something. No, that, that's completely epic. And, and I, I out of, um, uh, I don't want to like flatter you, Chris, because I know I don't no, want to build ahead, you up ahead. and tear you down, but it's like, when I think of like, not to age date you either, but like, you were like that, that pinnacle guy for me growing up in the sport when I would like finally get on to like YouTube or I'd watch Milrose and it'd be like, Oh my God, like this guy's fucking crazy. Like this is like on the start line, the mean mug. That's just like, this is stern. Like I can't, like, it was just so much emotion just compiled into you. And I just remember it was like, that guy's fierce. Like that guy's tough. So, um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a fan. Um, and I always will what was be behind the mean mug. Yeah. But what, that's what, what I wanted like, to ask. What? I wanted to ask what was going through your mind in those moments. Um, so, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm an emotional guy and it, it's been, it's been hugely beneficial and it's also been hugely detrimental. Um, it, London 2017 world champs final was probably where it got, it got the best of me and it was detrimental. Um, but that's just how I am. I mean, that's how I've, you know, I was always, there was always the smallest guy on the star line. I was always the skinniest guy on the star line and never had, growing up as a kid, never had the best live speed, you know? And so it, you know, I've, I've likened it to kind of a, a terrier mentality in the past in, in interviews. It's like, you know, the small dog, he doesn't know he's a small dog and he'll just fucking fight to the death. Um, and that's just kind of how me and my, my, my siblings and I were brought up um, to, 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 to not just kind of metaphorically fight for what you want, but actually fight someone for it if you need to. Um, and so, yeah, just not, not ever really being afraid to, to cause chaos in a, in a race. Um, you know, that was often the, 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 the game plan um was you know i i enjoy being in that state of chaos i'm better i was i used to be better at handling and handling it than a lot of other people milrose is a good example it's like you know you're not expecting nobody's expecting you to just tear off with whatever it was three laps to go so do it why not like if if they want to try and beat you let them let them try and beat you um so so yeah i mean but <laughs> Yeah, those are the times it was beneficial, but obviously, like I say, it's, it's, it's got the, it's got the better of me in the past as well. Um, but that's, that's the kind of way up that you, you take on when you kind of live your, live your athletic career in that state of high intensity emotion. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a double-edged sword that can help you or hurt you. Um, and yeah. I think that that's also why athletes like you are so, fun to follow and so easy to relate to. I mean, I think that every single one of us in this call, I mean, there's only three of us, so all three of us, and there's not like there's a 
crowd of people, but I, I always imagine thousands of people listening to us like we're on stage. Um, but um, we all have these reasons and things to fight for. Um, and it's like, that's the drive and that's the focus. And with the, with the double-edged sword, like I wanted to bring this up and I'll probably just kind of monologue here for a bit and get interrupted and, and let you guys kind of add insight on this, but it's interesting. And like, this is mostly something that I want to talk on for advice to others that may feel the same way, but it's like, you see these big invite meets, like you see these Milrose indoors and my initial plan. I mean, I talked to Josh in the fall. I said like, yeah, I'm going to have a pretty jam packed full indoor schedule racing, doing all these great meets like Milrose 3k. Like that's the focus. I'm ready to really rock that. And then you get to these meets and then your name's not on any of the entry lists. Your name's like not getting in any of these types of things and being as an emotional guy as we all are like, how do you handle the comeback of disappointment, whether that's in a race or whether that's not even getting in a race? Because there's a lot of listeners that we have that are either NCAA national champions, professionals, or high school freshmen just trying out the sport for the first time. So yeah, uh, I, I, I want to jump in here, Chris, because I, I, I'm going to give an example of what you said to me, actually, um, when before I went to the U.S. And it was, you said, you, because right when you went over there, the British athletics didn't love when athletes went to the U S to go and develop. They actively hated it. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> which I think is a lot better now that people have found success over there and they have to just deal with it. Um, but what you said to me was Josh, when you're trying to make a team and you go to the U S you have to give them no other option, but to pick you. So you don't leave up the chance. You don't come third of British chance, or you don't not run the time. And so, Dave, going to your point, it's like when you don't get something, you've got to prove to them why they deserve, like you deserve that spot rather than anything else. And yeah, like that goes back to what you were saying was like, you have no other option to pick, like other than to pick me. And so you go out and you get annoyed by this one thing and, you know, you be petty and you let it drive you for all these massive performances. And then you go back to this person saying, you know, you mucked up. That's on you. And um, that's not on me. And so, like, that's why I want to jump in, because I do remember that pretty vividly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I when you know, it was difficult for NCAA based athletes to make teams unless, like Josh says, you, you gave them no other option. And in a couple, a couple, a couple instances, they still didn't pick you, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, to, to your point, David, I think a good example from from my career is it was Houston in, in 2015, going back a while now. But um, I purposefully had set up schedule around Houston to to get the World Champs qualifying time, and I think it was 36 flat maybe. And, um, and the, the heat sheets come out like two days before and, and I'm in the B heat and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I'm in Belgium, just hanging out the a couple other races and build up for this race. And I'm in the B with, you know, not a stellar field and like, and more importantly, not a stellar rabbits. So, um, we actually, Ford Palmer, who ran for Hoka at the time, New York and Georgia Track Club, he, he, uh, he, he, and I don't remember, he may have even been in the A heat and, and came out to, to pace me in the B heat and like probably one of the best paced jobs there's ever been and, and, uh, took me through way further than he had to. And I, and I ran the time and there was only one guy in the A heat that ran 
marginally faster than I did in the B. That was kind of beside the point because all I needed was the time and care about position and the prize money was probably a packet of chocolate biscuits or something. But um, yeah, it was getting the time. And it was, you know, I was just furious on that whole few days leading up and on the start line. And um, thankfully I had a support system around me that were able to kind of help me out and get there. But yeah, it's, it's riding on that emotional, on that emotional train. And I, I just got the time and it could have gone the other way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to, to, you know, when you're snubbed or whether some, when somebody ultimately, when somebody doesn't think you're good enough, remind that, remind yourself that you are good enough, remind yourself constantly that, that you're good enough to, and to achieve what you want to achieve. And, and we try not to let other people's opinions skew what you think, but it's, it's difficult not to sometimes, um, especially when it's meat directors and stuff like that, who hold kind of the fate of your season in their hands. But um, yeah, just kind of consistently believing in yourself till you're just, till till you're one of the guys who they never leave outfield. Yeah. I believe in that a lot, actually. That's, that's pretty great advice. So, you know, as a, as a man that's now a father of three, I really thought you were going to go for the whole R situation, but he came up with Quinn, but that's, it's whatever. You know, <laughs> we did it with the J's. I thought you were getting it with the R's, but it's fine. Um, so, you know, we, we were at practice recently and we spoke about, you know, words that, that drive us. And, and my, my big word right now is, is legacy. Like what I, why I want to turn back and look at the sport and say, you know, I did this, you know, or my kids are able to look at me and say, you know, dad won this or dad did this. Like, was there ever a moment, you know, when Ronan first came where it was just like that switch to like, I want to do this for them. And like, how, how did that transition your career into more of like, I want it to be a bit more of a highlight reel for them than for me, you know? Yeah. I think, um, I've never particularly seen it. Uh, seen my career as a as a legacy maybe that's because I don't have an Olympic medal but um, the you know uh, more so lessons um, universal lessons whether it be my kids or or other kids um, or other athletes um, overcoming, overcoming the difficult the difficult times um, you know, you know, talking about having a tough 2019, coming back in 2020. That's pretty, it's a pretty universal, a universal lesson that that my kids, you know, whether they are runners or they play golf or football or or, you know, I was going to say basketball, but they won't they won't play basketball. <laughs> They're not going to have the height. But um, <laughs> you know, more so more so that le- important lessons and and important um, you know instances of overcoming stuff that are, that are difficult. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of times throughout my career um, when I got to the point that you know when I got to the point that I, I was kind of surpassing the people that I was looking up to um, that I was having to learn lessons for myself for the first time. My parents weren't professional athletes, you know. TU Tulsa is a, is, a, is a great program, but it's not like we're churning out two or three pros every year. And so you know, the, I was the first pro to come out of Tulsa, so it's not like we had a huge a great grasp on how the contract negotiations work, how the agents work. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes through through my career, basically because I was the first one to do it in my circle. 
so if I can take those mistakes and 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 make sure that other people don't make them, specifically my 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 you know my children, but the hard part's going to get them to be listening to dad. But um, you know whether it be my kids or or other athletes, if 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 others can can learn and capitalize from my mistakes, then um, then that sticks out to me to me a lot. No, I think what you say is very true in the lessons and whether Josh wants to admit it or not, I think that your career has an impact on Josh's ability to get the medal. You know, I think that watching your races and things like that, Josh is one of the biggest students of the sport that I know. So I know Josh has probably seen every single one of your races and seen your tactics. And when he talks about you racing differently every time, he probably says that from personal experience and also from a third party perspective of rewatching that race and saying, wait a minute. He went here instead of here. So whether the lesson is for, like you said, the athletes, the kids, you you were kind of like that first generation for you um, becoming a professional athlete. There will be people from here on out for the both of you um, representing Scotland, representing the UK that get medals because of the careers that you guys had. And that's like the legacy that you guys will um, be able to kind of showcase, whether it's for your own kids or other athletes. Um, and then I know, Chris, your legacy might come a little bit shorter at the end of this week, but do you think your Scottish indoor record is going to be at jeopardy in a few days here? I think it's 352, what is it, 91? I, I, I will, I'll be very surprised. Uh, well, one thing I'm certain of is that it will go. Uh, whether <laughs> it, you know, whether this, whether it's this weekend or not, um, you know, there's a plethora of, of reasons or, or that go into tactical changes and whatnot on the day, but um, yeah, it, it's gone. And and I actually, I was just having an interview with, with Scottish Athletics this morning. Um, and, and I'm happy to see them go because, you know, they, they don't, you know, they're obviously important and they mean a lot, but it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about. Like if you, if, 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 if I've kind of achieved what I want to achieve in, in helping others, then, um, then that is the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see them go. I'm excited to see it progress and the Scottish record just get down to disgustingly low numbers and the Scottish record to be the British record and, and to have the, to have Scots all over the British record books is, is, it's going to be pretty special um, because that's something growing up that you're like, well, yeah, I mean, the English athletes are always better is the kind of the, the thing that you hear time and time again. And you're like, well, it's, you know, bullshit. It's a numbers game effectively, but um, it's going to be pretty cool to see, to see the Scottish, Scottish names all over, the, all over the British record books. Yeah. It's going to be very cool to see Jake Whiteman take that indoor mile record. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give it i'll give it to jay for getting the the scottish record under 330 for the first time that was cool um but to be fair i did i did a talk with um some of the the scottish athletes that were part of like the institute or i don't know what they call it now but um and i, I mentioned the whole like you know Scot, scottish athletes are becoming the you know don't really care as much about english athletes being better than that was always like a big thing for us and i think they were all shocked that i even said that so i think we're definitely moving into the era of like scottish athletes really really ruling the roost in, in the uk i did not think that our three questions would take this long and i thought this game would come a lot earlier than it is but you know i i want to get a game going um just 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 to get the, the blood pump and get the juices flowing um, and so what it is, it's pretty short. I'll, I'll copy and paste this in a second into the group chat. But 
what it is is or dave you can do that um, uh yeah you you explain the game and i'll copy and paste oh we, we know our roles so well so these are 12 of in my opinion the the better british 1500 meter runners um of all time and i want and say this was the british final um trying to make an olympic team i want you to pick your your podium so your first second third and then who would be last uh in this race as well and so as you can see i've added people in here that i don't think are really that good but have won british championships before so i feel like they deserve to be in there but there's yeah there's there's some there's some good athletes you want to go ahead and read out all the names too for the listeners that are not yes, in the zoom call yeah, that would probably make sense i thought this was just a conversation and um, so we have chris o'hare charlie grice lee emmanuel jake whiteman josh Kerr, neil Gurley, ross murray andy badley mo farah steve cram seb co steve avet peter elliott so this is all these athletes at their prime obviously um and they all get a pair of super shoes with them as well so that helps you know what's depressing is that I'm in the class, I'm in the group of athletes who didn't ever run in super shoes, which puts me in mm. like the really old guys. That's quite depressing, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, um, yeah, this is a tough one. If, you're all, I, I will, I will help by, I think, I, Dave, do you, do you know all these athletes? Uh, maybe I, do. I, I mean, the, also... the ones that I don't know are um, Ross Murray and Andy Badley. Okay. But every so other they were like 2012 Olympians. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 2012. Um, oh gosh. So I've picked the podium and the last place. <laughs> yeah. I'd say. This is, oh, this is, this is a championship race as well. So this it's is a champ. It's a final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'd say Jake, Josh, and Cram would be on the podium. Yeah. Um, because there's people I just don't like in here, so I'll just yeah. keep them off. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then last that's tough because you're going to have somebody that just blows up yeah in a race like that i have two in mind uh three i'd say i'd say liam i'd put liam Manuel last and here's the reason why which and this takes some explanation is that he's you know he's he was such a ballsy runner that he would look at that field and go i'm just going to smash this i'm just gonna you're gonna take it from the front and i'm gonna crush it but you've got all these guys coming behind you yeah and that's so a, i think I that'd probably that. be um you know just from a just from a going all out through 1400 and then and then it just you know the wheels falling off the um the reason that i like that a lot is because in 20 what was it 2016 for the olympic for the olympic trials I was getting coached by Lee Emanuel Scott, Joe Franklin from, yeah. from UNM. And they were trying to rope me in to like pace Lee. Right. And it was the windiest day of all time. And I was like, guys, come on. Like I, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm 17 years old right now. 
you can't make me do this. And so I didn't end up doing it. Uh, and Lee obviously takes it out and and doesn't make the make the team. And I end up fourth in beating Lee. Um, well, I jumped over a fair few people to get there, but uh, yeah, so I can see that happening. I was I was gonna say Ross Murray, but because I feel like that he's him and Badley are from like the era of like slightly slower fifteen PBs. Um, I think yeah. I think and I th- because I think he was thirty six. So that's why I would have said him, but Ross was very good at, at navigating traffic. Mm. Um, I never raced him, so that's, yeah, that's fair. Plus, Lee Emanuel's a Brooks boy, so we can't we can't put him last, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a tough one. And it's the good <laughs> the good thing the good thing about that is you could run that race a million times. Um, and, yeah. Or obviously you wouldn't get a different winner every time. Many people are 12 and you'd get a different winner every time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's that, I mean, that would that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, that, that would sell some tickets. That, that would at that least would sell definitely. half of Manchester Stadium. That's for sure. Um, yeah, we, you know, we are actually taking a, a fair amount of time just conversating and kind of building around Milrose and uh, the game that Josh presented. And um, we have like a very deep dive conversation Um where maybe we kind of brush through that, Josh, or we even just go into the next portion and then transition to the banter bowl. But I think out of the two, which ones do you really want to hit on? I like this. Okay. Um, Yeah. So we talk to athletes that are contractually bound and like, this is where there's some things where in our sport, it's just such a convoluted hush hush scenario where like Josh and I can't disclose things even in our own contracts. Um, And I kind of want to talk about, a little bit more on your transition in um, and then we'll go into the honest track talk. Um, But I think what's crazy to know is that you were selected for the 1500 meters for the Moscow in 2013. And you became the first Scottish athlete in over 35 years to top the UK rankings at the distance. And then when you made the final uh, in 2013, you were the first British athlete to qualify for the 1500 meter final for six years. And now you have, almost every Scottish athlete in the final at the world championships or Olympic games. So um, quickly give one quick snippet on what that means to you to kind of set that stage and then see it just take off like wildfire. And then we're going to really get into the, um, the deep dive in some of the track world. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. That's ultimately, that's, that's probably one of the proudest parts of my career. And it's funny because nobody, you know, after the after these guys, nobody will remember it or talk about it or anything like that. But that's fine. Whatever. I'm not really that bothered. But it, it's it's special to know that that um, you've helped. Um, it's such a minefield. It's so difficult to make it to the to the, to that level. Um, so many things have to go right. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, some mistakes that I've made. If these guys cannot make them, then that's that's amazing yeah scott scottish athletics in a great spot so that's all we can say about it and chris was the catalyst for that so that's yeah that's where we're at so you know now there's no consequences you know like you're not gonna bump into you're not gonna bump into central (laughs) on a daily basis you're not gonna you're not gonna you know have to line up against your rivals and have to back up the shit that you talk which sadly we have to do now and I, I, I like to talk a lot of shit. So, so who, like, who would you think was your your biggest rival when you're racing track? Like, maybe college, 
or, or, or maybe afterwards, or, or maybe they could be the same person. Yeah, in college, it was Miles Batty at BYU. Um, we had some pretty good battles. Um, and then, it, and then uh, post-college, it was probably Charlie. Um, but we had, or, or we had a stint of a few years where it was just us. Um, and so um, that he was probably my, my biggest rival. But, but also, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to be, or it's not even that I necessarily tried to be. I'm just not that, like, once we're off the track, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather go get a, a pint with someone than, than, you know, keep talking smack. Um, but, um, so, yeah, probably Miles and then, and then Charlie um, for the kind of the first half of my, my um, pro career. And then, I mean, we've had some good battles. Jake and I have had some good battles. It's, it's um yeah it's 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 been fun it's been fun to to kind of have multiple people that you need to be on form against um instead of just just one yeah i when i think of your rival in my um viewing i always find your rival to be also nick willis with some of the races because it's not like you guys did a ton of racing but you guys were on the world stage at the same time and a lot of world championships at the same time but the races where Nick won and you finished second or vice versa, like they were so close. Like I remember being in Milro or in um, fifth Ave and watching you, Nick and Prakel just kind of take off. And I rewatched that race and it was like, I didn't know who won. Um, and so when you watch guys like Nick Willis continue this professional career and he's going for his 20th sub four uh, or 20th year of sub four, um, what does Nick Willis do for the sport? Because arguably he's one of the best athletes in the world history of the 1500 meters to have no conspiracy, no um, interruptions of training or no interruptions of like people saying he's doping, blah, 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 blah. He's one of the cleanest, most straightforward guys in the sport. And so what to you is it, um, or how, how am I wording this? What does it mean to see a guy like Nick have this longevity, this clean resume and compete at every single championship and, and race that you're in? Yeah, I, it's important. It's hugely important because that's, I feel like Nick and I have both kind of pride ourselves on being clean, straightforward, hardworking people instead of vanishing for periods or, you know, hooking up with coaches that are sketchy as you know what, like, and so it's, 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 it's huge to see Nick continue and I'm glad he's continuing. Um, but also readjusting his priorities and readjusting his goals. Um, you know, that's, that's important as well. And I think it's tough when you've been in it for so long, like I'll go, but when I was still running, go back and watch races of Nick and you're like, that was a long time ago. Those races were a long time ago. And he's been that good for this long. It's actually somewhat hard to comprehend, you know, like when you're talking about money and somebody starts talking about billions, you're like, yeah, that's an incomprehensible amount of money. Nick's been crushing it for almost an incomprehensible amount of time. Um, and, and like you mentioned, just a clean cut guy. And so it's funny. I never really saw Nick as a, as a rival as such um, because he wasn't ever somebody that I could, tactically mess with i'm sure my tactics in the past have messed with his race plan 
but it wasn't ever like I was like, all right, if I do this, it'll take him out of the race because he was either in the race and when he any any when he was, he was closing on you like a, a train. So, and that's typically how our races went. I, I was I was I was front and he was closing like hell to to, to catch me. So. Yeah, we had some we had some good battles down the home straight for sure. But I'm glad he's I'm glad he's um, continuing on and then helping a lot of people with the Tracksmith program that they've got. Um, that's also a hugely important a hugely important thing that they're doing as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot to say from the coaching side for, from Nick as well with you know with Ron. I think it's just so like we're where we were like with Dave, it's just some rant, like with his stop, we watched a workout um, that Danny sent a workout of, of, uh, of their team, like last week. And he was just starting a stopwatch whenever he felt like it. And they were doing loops around a, a, a random loop that he's been doing for 50 years. And he knows that they should be running for 56 seconds for X. And, like, and it's just that like, it's not specifically like data, 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 like GPS, get exactly these splits. It's like, these are the workouts we've been doing for a long time. This is what's shown that Nick can, you know, develop and be at the highest, you know, the, the highest point in his career. Like, let's just keep doing it. We have these little, you know, goals that we set throughout the year and let's not get too caught up in the numbers and just go for it and go out and, and get your mileage in. And so I think there's definitely something to that where it's just like, you can just tell it's just a wholesome, like, let's go get training. It's going to be hard work and we're going to eat donuts and, and drink some milk afterwards versus a lot of other groups that seem to want to take it a little bit. Obviously there's groups that are taking it way too far at the moment, but there's, you know, that just seems like a, a fun group to be around in a very honest, clean cut. And that's what's nice to see Halls with them now as well, where he's just, you know, getting back to basics pretty much. It's kind of what it looks like. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's like it. Ron is a, He's a genius, but, you know, I, I don't use that lightly. Um, you know, it's kind of like Dave when we were growing up. Dave didn't really need a watch, didn't really need a set mark. He didn't need to be running on a 400-meter track. Ron will be able to watch Nick run around, down a road for an undisclosed distance, for an undisclosed time, and be able to tell you that he's ready to win a medal, a, a major championship. So he's ready to run 334. He's ready to run 331. Like, doesn't matter because he just knows how he looks. And that's, you know, in the age of science, in the age of technology, it, it, we're, we're, we're away from that now. Um, but that's kind of the old school way. <laughs> and, and there's a lot to be said for it. And it's clearly worked for a long time um, because Nick's had his ups and downs. And it's easy when you have a down to go, you know, maybe a change would help. But the belief in their relationship is, is you know, speaks it speaks volumes hey did you watch that workout or no i didn't watch the workout no um but i i noticed that they said this is something josh is gonna do we don't need to talk about you we can we can continue on the uh well, no, the train i was just talking our... shit because danny put it in the group message and uh like halls was doing like a rep a 600 or something and then he he mentioned my name when he was running and so i just asked if that's why he put it in the group chat i know that's you know they've then just specifically didn't watch it for that reason but that's pretty much it this is josh the, again making everything about him to be uh, honest oh, you have anything to worry about just yet yeah you're the, yeah you're the hero in your own story dave and that's yeah. why i live you're my the hero story, in everybody yeah, else's story is what you assume as well <laughs> um and before exactly. we get into the banter bowl um which 
Yeah. Before we get the vengeful, the the last question that I kind of have is you're seeing these athletes that are pretty well known in the sport. You have yourself, you have Nick Willis, who's nearing retirement. I'm not going to put a date on it, but he's, I mean, assuming it's uh, nearing retirement. You have Kyle Merber. You have these guys that are very open and public about um, their careers. Um, and like you're talking about the lessons and all these things. And without getting into the nitty gritty details, um, what's the transition from professionalism to retirement? Because we're putting our entire lives on hold, right? Because our contracts, um, we're contracted to a company. We're not necessarily employees. There's not a lot of benefits involved in that. Everything in our contracts are incentive-based and you know, annual salaries, yada, yada, yada. But we aren't really building that resume in the normal workspace. So where do you find yourself now? I mean, I checked your LinkedIn, Chris. It's great. Your wife's LinkedIn has a lot more connections than you. Um, her, her, she has a lot of nice comments about people she's worked with in the past. I know she's the breadwinner. We don't have to get into that, but how has this, yeah, how has this transition <laughs> been for you with the difficulties that do arise from just putting a lot of things on hold? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to that, but I think, you know, the further away you get from college, you realize that college is its own thing like unless you're doing something very specific to take you into a very specific career um the lessons and the 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 skill set that you acquire over uh an eight-year for, for me an eight-year professional track career and being an olympian is, is more valuable to any employer than a undergraduate and whatever and a master's in whatever and and five years experience getting coffee like it's it's these transferable skills are not skills necessarily that are specific to a job but it's your drive and your work ethic and and stuff that regular people who are not elite athletes you know they just don't quite get they they don't quite understand it um so you know and in our company there's a lot of a lot of ex-athletes um because it's a it's a it's an easy kind of you need you need to be self-driven um in this in this world and if and if you're not then you're going to be in trouble and and, and obviously in, in athletics if you're not self-driven then you, you're not going to make it anywhere josh you want to go ahead and um explain the banter bowl a little bit and uh we can put him on his toes and we actually got a submission another submission that we have to make sure we include and maybe we'll even start with this to put him in the hot seat but um we also Chris recently have started paying our guests. Um, so I'll let Josh talk about the banter bowl. Um, in yeah, a we, we recently started paying our guests, which is a really good idea in theory. But in the reality of paying our guests, they thought it'd be a good idea to create a game out of it. And we've lost the game and lost a lot <laughs> of money. And so like our big thing when we started this podcast was like, we want to pay the athletes um for their time because for a lot of media stuff that is all very like you know we can give you x amount of views or this many followers and this and the next thing and you know we don't have a fancy amount of followers right now you know we we don't but what we do we did have is we had some really good sales for our shirts and and things like that so we were like you know we'll put that in a little fund and we'll pay that the guests that come on and so dave bought a wheel that we span and then we we had an episode a couple of weeks ago with with the three oregon guys 
uh, and we ended up losing $750. So on one episode, which, you know, we make $0 an episode. So that was really fun. And so Dave, I don't know if your missus is. Yeah. You know how you like have the prices, right? And you have the talk show hosts, you have the guys that are like, you know, in the screen with the mics, like, come on down. Well, I'm waiting for our um, beautiful uh, wheel lady to kind of sign into the call here. And she's going to join in the call. She's going to give it a mighty spin. And whatever she lands on, Chris, is your retirement bonus from the sit and kick. Usually we call it a signing or appearance fee, but this is your retirement bonus, courtesy of your favorite American and Scottish athlete. Well, uh, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it on its head and um, whatever it lands on, I'll, I'll uh, Venmo you guys so that you can take care of the future guests who are still, still <laughs> running and in the world of track and field. Oh, that's lovely. That, that means he's making a lot of money. Dave. That means he's making a lot of money. That means he's making <laughs> yeah, more money than we are as athletes. Look at, look at his, look at, yeah, I mean, he's in an office right now. He's got people getting him coffee. People have been coming in and out telling him for things. He's, <laughs> he's got an earpiece in. It's, it's all getting crazy. It's a nice shirt. The buttons even match the same color of his shirt. You know that he spends a good amount of money um, just to look fancy. Still got the Adidas bottle. I mean, that would probably take you, take you to the grave. But um, yeah. here comes our fancy wheel spin. Perfect setup. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I made sure to let Olivia know she did not have to be on camera, but Olivia, if you can hear us, go ahead and give that a mighty whirl. And this will be the amount that Chris actually gives our podcast, um, from the kindness of his heart. And do we, do you need to check with your wife before you make that kind of claim? <laughs> nah. All right. All right. Olivia, I'll deal, I'll, and... deal, I'll deal with the fallout after. <laughs> All right, Olivia, go ahead and spin the wheel. <laughs> you're gonna break our dog's hand what is happening here olivia give that a mighty whirl it has to do one full rotation <laughs> there we go. There go all right chris what is that olivia fifty dollars fifty dollars well chris you, you we would have looked like ballers if we didn't say that beforehand and we only had to pay him 50 bucks yeah, uh, we should have 500 or 250 whatever but it ends up being chris is the champ again he's playing mind games with me dave i know he is <laughs> He's winning out. All right. Thank you, Olivia. You can sign off, Chris. You're going to have a $50 Venmo request here coming shortly. And with that, Josh, talk about the banter bowl and then go ahead and read the submitted question um, to lead into it. The most recent one on our podcast submissions. Okay. So yeah, we, we just do the banter bowl. Just, you know, it really, it really finishes off on a high note. And a lot of people listen to this on long runs and, and things like that. So it just kind of hopefully brings some smiles and also Maybe some of the questions that you would never ever get asked by proper media. Um, and so I might I think, have to might have to plead the fifth year on a couple, but well, yeah, I think you might because the <laughs> one that I think Dave's talking about, because I put it in right, I, I've written it, Dave, if you've seen that. Um, and it might have been from someone that yep. you know quite well. So I was told to ask about the handbrake turn in front of me, <laughs> and it's time <laughs> to have that story told. Yeah, I might, for legal reasons, might have to plead the fifth on this. <laughs> but uh, all, all I can say from we, my point of view is that when I was there in 2017, I remember getting in the car and, you know, I mean, you, it was all, so Dave, like, it was all stick. And so, you know, British drivers know how to drive quite well, so they know how to actually drive a proper car. And you got you guys were just razzing around the place. And I just sat in the back and I was like, hmm, is this how you drive with your kids, Chris? And he said, no, that's for the people I care about. I was like, okay, dope. That sounds sick. And so I was very scared every time I got in the car. But very good drivers, just very, very quick, I would say. It, 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 there's a fine line 
there, uh, there's a there's a line between being a good driver and making good decisions. That's the that's yeah. the difference. We have we have we have a good laugh on on altitude camps. I'll I'll uh, I'll leave it at that and can maybe share the story to to not such a large audience. <laughs> that's flattering that you think that we have a large audience. Um, and we're gonna just keep moving through. And uh, how does it feel that your kids are going to grow up with a horrible American accent? It's disgusting. I I I haven't quite come come up with a good uh, a good way to combat that. But um, no, it's it is what it is. I'll need to get them to watch just like instead of kids shows, just watch Still Game and stuff like yeah. that. Just... <laughs> You're just gonna have to teach them like Gaelic or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even know where to start. So <laughs> tough to teach myself first. That's the kind of that's kind of commitment I'm looking for. So is it true? Again, none of these questions are for us because so we need context on some of these as well. Is it true that you took a dump in a frat's washing machine? Um, no, that's there. The, the story is not too far from that, but it's um, <laughs> it, that story has mutated over time. But um, it's not too it's not too far removed from that. <laughs> Love it. Uh, um, how uh, how embarrassed were you with Josh's 2017 World Champ performance? That's tough to hear. Was he there? <laughs> Go ahead and sling the next one, Josh. I need some time. Um, <laughs> which of your kids will be the best runner? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, hopefully none of them. Hopefully they're doing like sports that, that pay better across the board. But 100%. Um, um, probably that Riley, my, my second, is he, he's wild. Um, so, so probably him, he, he's, he's worryingly quite like me. Um, so it's probably going to get us in a lot of trouble, but um, he'd probably be best. Um, with, or what made you the best runner out of all your siblings? Uh, probably the same thing. That'll make Riley a good runner. Um, just, just uh, the only one that, that was a little rambunctious, shall we say. Um, and just, you know, I, I never cared for school. Um, so something to let out that, that kind of energetic side. And my parents caught it early on and it was a good outlet. Um, and so got me into it in a competitive sense pretty early on um, so that I didn't end up in jail. And, uh, and it, it worked. <laughs> Speaking of jail, did you want to turn back to that uh, handbrake or no? No, no. Okay. No. All right. Josh, hit the next one. Uh, who was a better coach, Gully or, or Mahon? Mahon. 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 Mahon, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, did hugely different style. Um, you know, Coach Gully, kind of pretty old school, mileage, mileage, mileage. Parents, very scientific. Um, and so definitely, uh, definitely different, different coaches. Um I'd say maybe overall, probably Terrence, just because it's being a pro coach, you're with them more, um, you know, you're more involved. You're, you're one of maybe five or six on a team versus 40 on a team. So it's literally just a time constraint thing. Um, and Terrence is, is such a knowledgeable coach um, kind of in all aspects of it. Um, definitely an underrated, an underrated coach for sure. Closing in on a few more questions. Um, did you leave BAA because nobody wants to train in Boston? <laughs> um, not too far from that, actually. Um, 
you know, I was never actually contractually with BAA. I was sponsored by Adidas, ran for BAA because we were there. Terrence was with them, kind of benefited both of us. Um, but yeah, when Terrence said he was leaving and he was moving back to San Diego um, and we were going to move back to Tulsa, we weren't. Um, Boston's a great city. I love it, but it's a tough place to train. Although New Balance Boston are doing a pretty good job. So. Yeah. That's to be true. fair, they're not often in Boston. I, they're I, not there a whole lot. Assumption. Yeah. Um, but Josh, any more questions that you wanted to sling towards Chris? I've got, I've got no more, mate. Okay. None, uh, not to leave this one. Huh? Not to leave this one. Or do you want to save that for last? Have you got more? No. Okay. Well, yeah, you can. Okay. Josh, really... when I can't, when I can't, see what you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it is it. um well, but we'll, we, we we'll, chat about we bitch about you on this over here yeah we, we text like work. man we really need to cut this guy off he's just getting a little bit too uh emotional um but no um you can either sling some banter towards us chris we're gonna have one more question this one isn't really banter that's why i, I kind of wanted to leave it out i think it's too much uh, into josh's head and you know he's gonna get real flattered from this and i also want to say to the listeners we got a lot of submissions from our last episode that me and josh had some personal banter and like it sounded too real and like i got a text from my sister she's like are you and josh fighting i'm like we're not fighting she's like that bantered in that episode just felt all too real so josh and i are fine we're signing the legal papers the divorce will happen we're not worried about a thing sexual um, tension again a little too much on the podcast yeah a little <laughs> bit a little bit too much emotion um but speaking of emotion this is actually the perfect segue um as a fellow i think it's called a scotsman i don't know is it a scotsman josh yeah yeah all right as a fellow scotsman uh how much emotion arose while watching kirk kick to olympic bronze oh it was it was it was huge. I mean, I think I was probably uh, screaming at the TV just as, maybe not quite as loud, but just as loud as his parents, um, along with my parents as well. It's, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, kind of, we've got, you know, you invest emotional energy into people over the years and, and you know, we've got a lot invested in Josh. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was huge. I was it, it was just, I was just talking on, on the Scottish Athletic podcast this morning or interview this morning about how it, you know I was maybe somewhat surprised I didn't feel like I was being that it kind of, it kind of didn't have FOMO if you will but it was and I was just able to fully enjoy it and, and watch it as a as a fan and somebody who's invested in, in Josh and Jake um so but, but yeah I mean it was it was great but it was you know, not something you ever actually think you'll get to see. Um, so, yeah, thankful for that. I wonder why I'm not going to ask a question about myself in that situation. It makes me look like I've written it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to tell, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm tell the world that you wrote question. it. So I'm just going to let you. Tell me how good you think you are. Hey, so Chris, so what do you, you think know, when yeah, I won yeah. that medal? I would love to hear how you thought about me. Yeah, no, Josh. <laughs> I say that really, to every guest. I'm Josh like, usually oh, talks watch? in the third person. Yeah, this isn't this isn't an out of routine or character for Josh. But Chris, we kind of flattered Josh a little bit. Um, you know, I know you're a big time reader of my book and, you know, you follow my career closely. Um, so at this time, before we hang up and never call you back again, is there any banter that you'd like to throw either to Josh or I with the story from the past with Josh or whether, you know, it's just how great of a person I am. Like, this is your chance to just spit it back at us. Um, you'll have to, to set, there's a, like a paper copy of, you, you wrote a book. No, like it's a more of a journal. Of a it, it's, they, it's a, it's a published they, Amazon they've, book they've allowed, journal uh, thing. You know, he has a lot of spelling errors. And so what we used to do is whenever we found a spelling error, we used to drink. You didn't, find, you didn't find any spelling errors. 
Oh, John Kerr didn't find I himself. have two degrees. <laughs> I don't know how many degrees you've got. I know you're talking about degrees don't matter, but I've got two. I don't know how many both of you have. Yous have a smart right. cookie, <laughs> We don't know how many yous have. That That's yeah. enough to say. So we made Dave's book into a drinking <laughs> game. It's pretty much Yeah, they made my book into a drinking game. So it's really, it's sitting in the adult section of like a, a game store. So brings more joy. This book will get you drunk, I think is the new title of the book. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we had to bring this segment in because people felt, felt like we were bullying our guests. And so we were like, well, we can give you the floor to fire some stuff back. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if, if you have anything you want to, yeah dave's book's pretty easy to go at to be fair have you sold yeah, any, it, was a, it, it was a cheap shot no i don't have any shot. i haven't sold a single one sold out right i hear sold out i wasn't the number one best uh track and field seller on amazon in the year of 20 when did that come out 19 josh but thanks for reminding me that i haven't sold a single book <laughs> when was the last time you sold the book uh, i don't know i'd have to check amazon probably this week i sell about like one or two a week still okay that's pretty good yeah so at the end of the year i'll send about 100 <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's that's uh that, that that was a cheap shot but uh anything chris <laughs> i i wasn't i didn't i didn't come prepared enough to, to take any decent shots so to take them work and get them yeah but all right and then chris typically at the end of every episode uh we let the guest name the episode um, and we've talked a lot. We've bantered. We've got a bit emotional. We've talked about races and race tactics. Um, but this is really where you get to shine. And this is going to be the pinnacle of your athletic career is naming our episode. So whenever you have a title in mind, you can go ahead and say that. And with that, I'll go three, two, one, and then you can say it. So whenever you are ready, I will go ahead and count you down. Uh, I'm ready. Oh, perfect. See, Josh, this is what degrees get you. Or not. This is what degrees He's only gets got you. one degree. I said this is what degree about? gets you. And I'm just saying. minutes of editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody needs to know that. Um, all right, Chris. Uh, three, two, one. Chris O'Hare tells Josh how to win Melrose. Perfect. Please and thank you. Hey, Josh, is there any stipulation for podcast listeners if you fail to do so? If I don't win Melrose, I will... Oh God! Put the pressure. The, the, on the next, the next money that comes out of the wheel will be specifically from my bank account. Perfect. And he's gonna double it. And I will double it. Anything else, Chris? Keep adding the stakes. <laughs> and if he does win, if he does he win, double it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect charitable man. Yeah, write it off in taxes. I don't even know if you do taxes. I'm kidding. He does, IRS. He does, IRS. <laughs> Stay away. Um, but all right. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Before we banter about real-life issues of Josh evading the national government, um, we will go ahead and sign off and thank you for your time. Josh, I'm just riffing. Where is that coming from? You can just go ahead and take control, Josh. I'm going to be quiet. Thank you, Chris. I'm going to sit here. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I'm muting myself. Go, Josh. Would you be go, Josh? It's the end of the episode. Thanks very much for your time, Chris. And uh, thank you very much for your amazing career as well. So, yeah, it was lovely having you on today. And I'm sure a lot of people will be able to, you know, watch your career back now on YouTube, which will be a lot of fun for a lot of people as well, I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good fun. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.